and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel Joseph, and welcome to another edition of In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, and we're just delighted to have you join us today. We drop a new episode every Friday, if you didn't know that already, on all of the platforms out there from Spotify and Apple to just, even if you want to go to our website, which is just epc.org, you can get a hold of these podcasts, and we love it when you like us on social and share us on social and get the word out there. It's a great gift to us. So grace and peace to you. Welcome. Today, we're going to be having a conversation. It's an in-house conversation, but I think you'll find that it has great application outside of the EPC. In our first year, we really focused a lot on internal conversations. That is EPC pastors and thought leaders and authors. And particularly, we started out with EPC staff. Uh, many people unaware of who is in the office of the General Assembly and that they exist to serve our presbyteries and local congregations. And this second year, as we're now into our second year of podcasting, we're going to focus more externally, conversations that still apply to the EPC, but topics that really develop the EPC's four gospel priorities of church planting, church health, effective biblical leadership, and of course, uh, what we call global movement or world outreach and fraternal relationships. So today's conversation would fit under that category, would fit under effective biblical leadership. We're going to be talking about the ministry of chaplains, and that is a particular ministry inside the EPC, but it has much broader application, both domestically and globally. There's a lot of different ways in which chaplains are called to serve the mission of God in the body of Christ, and we're going to hear more about that today. Because our guest today is Reverend Mark Ingalls, and Mark spent 25 years in active duty in the Air Force, the United States Air Force, as retired as a major and now serves us as our chaplain endorser. And so, Mark, we're grateful to have you on In All Things. Thank you. It's great to be here. It really is. Yeah, it's a delight. It really is. And you're going to enjoy this conversation with Mark today. He is easily one of the most hope-filled, uplifting, fun people to be around, and he loves, loves, loves caring for our chaplains, and he's a super advocate for them as well. Now, before we get into our conversation with Mark, I want to promote transitional pastors. When a congregation is going through a change, particularly a change of pastoral leadership, it's one of those times when the church is probably most open to receiving help so that they can effectively reach their neighbor's for Christ. That is to say, the mission of the EPC is to carry out the Great Commission, and we, we do that as a missional church, most notably at the local level. The local church is the place where the kingdom of God breaks into a community. It's not at the office of the General Assembly or even at a presbytery. It's in a local church, your church, your community, your neighborhood. That's where the good stuff really happens, and we exist to resource that. And one of the places where a church can really kind of sharpen and hone its skills and focus its mission and vision is in the area of evangelism, reaching out to their neighbors. One of the ways in which a church recalibrates uh, and helps to really focus in on their mission and vision so they can do evangelism, 
with their neighbors and their community is oftentimes through a transitional pastor. We have transitional pastors all over the EPC. Most of them are EPC pastors who are retired and are taking on transitional pastor training and taking on this particular ministry. But there's an increasing number of people, younger pastors, who feel called to this specific kind of ministry where you go into a congregation for maybe one year or two years and help them through a transitional period providing stability, leadership, and helping to facilitate a process of church health that better situates that congregation to not only call their new pastor, but also position to be able to reach their neighbors for Christ. And so if you'd like more information about the Transitional Pastor Program at the EPC, contact our National Director of Church Health, Bob Stoffer, and you can get his information on our website, which is at epc.org. So let's get back to our conversation for today. Uh, Mark, just so excited to have you in. Tell everybody a little bit, help, help us get to know who you are, where you grew up, how you came to faith in Christ. So give us a little bit of the background. Well, it's good to be with you, Dean, and uh, this is just a joy for me to be able to share a little bit, and I'm never shy on sharing. So You're never shy on I'm anything. Ne- I know, I know, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, born in Aurora, Colorado, so I'm a, I'm a Colorado boy through and through, and um, my dad was Army, so we uh, I was an Army dependent and have a brother, so we were actually both born. Did you Aurora. guys do the whole move around all over the place thing? We did. Okay. Yeah, we uh, did. International and domestic? International and domestic. So I was born in Aurora, and then almost about a year, year and a half later, we moved to Germany and spent some time there, and then from there we moved to Atlanta. A funny little side story about that is my grandparents came to visit us in, our, in uh, Atlanta. I was four, and they kept asking me how old I was, because when I would answer, I would go four I'm four years old, <laughs> but it would also have a German accent to it. So oh it had goodness. both. It was really right. hilarious. and they were German really accent it. in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So German, Southern, yeah, it was a really great right. combination. Anyway, so and then from there we went to Alaska, which was short but fun, especially for a young kid. We could build igloos without even having to build it. We could just dig a hole and we had an igloo. And then uh, to Fort Meade, and then that's where my dad retired, Fort Meade, Maryland. My dad right. retired there. We were on our way to California to live. That's where my mom and dad both grew up. And we stopped in Colorado to visit friends from the past and ended up staying. And so uh, so we stayed there. I went to Colorado State for my undergrad. I, I do love Colorado, so I'm a little biased, I have to admit. And Colorado Springs, which is where I ended up uh, for my last assignment and then retiring from the Springs from Peterson Air Force Base there. Uh, and I stayed. So it's, it's so impressive. We were there just uh not that long, a couple months ago this fall, mm-hmm. uh, for the church planters retreat it's that good was to see in Colorado Springs. Yeah, it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And there was, you know, Air Force planes flying by regularly, I think patrolling NORAD, uh, <laughs> if I were to guess. Yeah. Because that was like on the mountainside, like in front of where we mm-hmm. were staying. But just the way they patrolled around was just so impressive. Beautiful area, gorgeous mountains, and then boom, there go by these Air Force jets. It's just pretty cool pretty cool yeah. Yeah. yeah and now and now of course peterson is a space force base so right. so right. pretty much all the bases except for the air force academy which is also in colorado springs are space force bases so okay. so uh, shriver air force base is like a secret squirrel kind of air force base okay uh, or a space force base okay and then you got the army fort carson there with about forty-five thousand soldiers just on that installation itself which wow. is pretty amazing wow. yeah, a lot of military yeah colorado springs 
So did you know you were going to go into the military from the time you were a kid, or did you fight it? So yeah, so I had no plans to be a, a chaplain, no plans to be a minister, nothing like that. That was not my desire. I, I came to the Lord when I was 10. Uh, Reverend Mark Moore was at Faith Presbyterian Church in Aurora. That was our home church, and uh, he was just wonderful, uh, great first name. And, uh, and for those who don't know, Faith Church in Aurora was like one of the founding churches yes. of the EPC. I mean, all the way back in the beginning. And it was huge yeah. at the beginning, too. Every, it's church, every EPC bit, but, church yeah. in Denver traces its roots in some ways back to faith, right? That's right. Yeah, they started several daughter churches there, including Cherry Hills and Cherry Creek and, and Parker Press and so on. So it's really kind of neat to see what impact uh, Faith Church had on the, uh, on the community there. So you came so, to Christ at 10. Came to Christ at 10, and... Uh, like I mentioned, I went to CSU for my undergrad. I was a communications major there with the plan to actually, and this is, goes back, so some of you who are young, you probably won't even recognize this name, but I wanted to be Ted Koppel II. So if you remember from Nightline, yeah. he was kind of my idol. And, uh, and I said, I want to do that. And I want to be either an anchorman or something, but I want to be on he was air. A, he was the serious journalist. Oh, he was, I mean, which is so in, not me. I probably am more Walter Cronkite-ish than Ted Koppel okay. uh, because uh, Walter, I think, had more of a, friendlier air to him I think yeah. just he just was yeah. and so anyway the, but that was my plan I ended up then graduating and I was involved with a ministry called Continental Singers Continental Ministries and I was very very involved with them I toured with them for four years four summers and it was a great great part of my life they ended up hiring me to work for them so I was the uh, assistant for booking concerts and so on everywhere the last year that I was uh, with them, I decided I wanted to tour again. Well, you can't work for them and tour. So I had to then resign from my position with, uh, with Continentals and uh, toured again and then came back. I was just working at a little kind of department store called The Broadway there in, color in California. This is in California, so Thousand Oaks area. I was getting ready to fly home for Christmas back to Denver, where my parents are were, and uh, I ended up waiting for a friend of mine to pick me up to bring me to the airport, to the Burbank Airport. And I was waiting, and I was waiting. I was getting worried. It was late, and ended up finding out he decided to do this white stretch limousine as a Christmas gift to bring me to the Burbank Airport. And I so wish, because all the windows were darkened out, I so wish I had had a white glove that I could have hung out the window. And then they'd be like, was that Michael Jackson that just went by? You know, so because you couldn't see inside. So anyway, but uh, we get to, the, get to the airport. And this is the good old days when you could just walk out, walk out to the plane and, and board. Well, we get there quite late. I get on the plane and the stewardess is saying, find a seat. Well, there were only two seats left on the plane right next to each other. So I sat down and I thought, oh, good. I'm the last person on. I'll have an open seat next to me. So as soon as I thought that, and this is just kind of a little bit of how God's humor works in things, is this heavy set guy comes on the plane, and I'm like, and I already knew that the only seat left was the one next to me. And I'm going, oh, no, you know, this is going to be a little uncomfortable and so on. And, you know, but anyway, he got on the plane. We started chatting a little bit, found out he lived in Thousand Oaks uh, area, Westlake Village, and he was the regional manager uh, for sales representatives for Word Music, for Word Records. 
And uh, so we chatted. He knew about Continentals, of course, and, and so on. And and then I thought, okay, well, this is only an hour and 40-minute flight or whatever to to, uh, to Denver, so it's not going to be that long and, and so on. And we are taxiing out as I'm thinking this, and then the pilot comes over the intercom and says, sorry, folks, we're going to have to pull off. Uh, Stapleton Airport, Denver's airport at the time, has been hit by a blizzard, So and we can't take off, but we also can't go back to the gate because the gate's already filled with another plane. So anyway, that gave us more time to chat. So we're chatting. Come to find out, he's flying out to Denver to offer this guy a job for the new Rocky Mountain sales representative for Word Music and that he had already met with several times. And so I thought, well, that's really cool. So we take off eventually. We kept talking. And then as we're coming in for our approach, he turns to me and he says, Mark, I have a question for you. And I said, sure. And he said, would you be willing to accept the sales rep position for Word Music for the Rocky Mountain region? And I'm going, well, that's what you're flying out to offer this guy. He's expecting you. And he, and, I, and he said, I know. That's why I need to know from you. Because for some reason, I feel I need to give this, offer this to you. And so it really, huge surprise. You didn't know the the tarmac was going to be an interview. I know, no, you know, and on the plane, and then the, just the delays that happened, which allowed us longer to talk and everything. Right. So I ended. I said, "Well, when do you need to know?" He said, um, "Within an hour." And I and he said, "Yeah, because this guy's expecting me. I need to let him know." So I ended up getting the job. And the first year I was with Word, I actually got Salesman of the Year with Word, which was awesome. But the unfortunate thing is, is they give you a bonus based on your sales but not the first year because they want to make sure you're going to stay. So anyway, so I didn't get the bonus, which would have been great as a, as a young guy of 23, I think I was at the time. And that ended up, my sales region included New Mexico. So I went down to New Mexico. I was seeing some of my stores and visiting my best friend, Paul, who was an Air Force guy at Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And so we went to the chapel and Jack Ritzma was the chaplain and he was doing the the message that day the service that day normally I do not look at my watch when I'm in you know a, a service because I think you know you can see people looking down at their watch and I think it's just kind of rude so I never I never was well Jack I have to admit was incredibly boring and I'm like oh when is this gonna going to get over. So it was just it was going that way. And as I looked down at my watch and then looked back up, I saw myself where Jack Ritzma was standing there. And it literally freaked me out, I guess is the best way to put it. And I turned to Paul and I said, Paul, I have to tell you what I'm seeing. And he's telling me, shh, shh, you know, he's, he's preaching. Don't, you know, don't do that. And I said, he said, what? And I said, I see myself up there speaking where Jack Ritzma is. And he says, what? <laughs> and so he said, you know, maybe you ought to talk to Jack after the service. So we did. I went there and Jack, you know, listened to the story and he said, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but maybe God's trying to tell you something. I'm going, what? He said, well, maybe he wants you to be doing this. You know, if, if you're seeing yourself up here and, and experiencing that, I think a pretty good little vision that God's given you. So I started talking to him, finding out what was involved with it. He told me I'd have to go back to school, go to seminary. 
three years of more education was not in my plan. Right. Oh my gosh. And then, uh, nor to go into the military and to become a chaplain, you know, and of course a teaching elder and all of that as part of the EPC church, which is what I was always part of. Well, I ended up pursuing it, went to Fuller for my uh, seminary education. It was fantastic. A very scholarly seminary. I can't say I'm the most scholarly person, so I guess not much of that rubbed off on me. But I did very, very well and uh, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the camaraderie. In fact, my housemate was Tom Pittman. We became good friends, and we've continued that friendship to today, and so that's pretty neat. He was an EPC at the time, and so I kind of had some impact, I think, on that and in the discussions we had and, and so on, which was neat. So you were really called to be a chaplain. I mean, you were, yeah. you were, your calling both to be a chaplain and to be in the Air Force kind of happened at the same time. The same time. And another little caveat about that is my work with Word Music, Word Records, almost to the very penny paid for my seminary education. Wow. I know. And so I, I look back. I mean, you can't, you can't forward look very well sometimes. And I looked back at the puzzle pieces and seeing How it that all fits, all fits together. together. And yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I pretty neat. Love I love hear, sharing that story. Yeah, and I, I love hearing the story because it's God's story, right? It's yeah, God's story about how he came into your life and redirected your pathway. And here, these 25 years you served in active duty, but even since going out of active duty, mm -hmm. you've continued to serve now the EPC as, a, as our chaplain endorser. So uh, give us a quick description of what does a chaplain endorser do? So chaplaincy now in today's, especially American society, is the fastest growing form of ministry in the country. Mm. And there's chaplains in so many different yeah, areas. And what are some of the areas in which people serve as chaplains? One of the primary ones is the military right. and all branches of service. Under the Navy, uh, you have also the Marines and the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the Navy umbrella. So Tim Foster, for example, yeah. is, is in the Navy, but mm -hmm. he serves as a chaplain with the U.S. Marines. With the U.S. Marines. And also he's pastor of a church. Right. So he serves as a reserve chaplain. So, so you have active duty chaplains like I was. Uh, you have reserve and guard chaplains, military chaplains, and then you also have Coast Guard. We don't have a Coast Guard chaplain at this point, but you have Coast Guard chaplains, which are Navy chaplains, okay. but serving in the Coast Guard. And uh, then you have Civil Air Patrol chaplains, so those all kind of fall under the military, military umbrella. But we also have a lot of first responder chaplains. We do. So when you get into the civilian institution side of chaplaincy, um, you have those that serve in hospitals, in hospice settings, those that also work in educational institutions as well as chaplains. I served for two years as a chaplain at Grove City College. Uh, oh, oh, did you really? I did. Oh, that's did. awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about yeah. there. And yeah. it's a wonderful opportunity because just like, in a way, a lot like the military, you're dealing with young people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these young people are still searching, trying to figure out where they are. And Terrifically energizing. Oh, my gosh. It's just so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. And then you mentioned first responders. So, so there's a little bit of a difference there is that when you get into, like, police chaplains, fire department chaplains, EMT chaplains, and so on that are serving in those roles, those are usually volunteer chaplains. And oftentimes those chaplains are pastors in other settings yes. too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. In fact, I have one of my chaplain work and care committee members, Reverend Glenn Holman. He is a pastor of a church in Virginia. He's also a hospital chaplain. 
And he also works as a chaplain, as a volunteer for the police department right. as well. So right. he does all three pieces there. Yeah. Tim does too. Tim actually works as a volunteer for um, first responder agencies as well. How many so, chaplains do we have in the EPC? So we have a little over 70 now, okay. chaplains. And it, it always varies because you get some chaplains that, of course, retire or um, move into other realms of, of ministry and so on. So you have that. And you have a lot of people that are coming into the chaplaincy. So right now, I have 10 chaplains that are in the pipeline. I mean, excuse me, 10 individuals that are in the pipeline wanting to serve okay. as chaplains. And it covers all of that realm of chaplains that I just spoke about. And do they follow a similar process to the way a, a, a teaching elder that's going to serve a local church gets trained and examined and ordained? Is it a similar process? Yes, and uh, that's one of the things I'm trying to help educate presbyteries about a little bit because the, the chaplaincy, kind of like missions, but chaplaincy is, is a kind of its own unique animal because that chaplain is serving in a secular institution, and that can be quite challenging and quite different. Sure, and but also um, a great evangelistic outpost. Oh, huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, in some cases, they may not be able to be direct about it, right. but they build relational capital, and they're able to then share their faith out of their relationships. Right, and it, if they, you know, hopefully they will recognize you as a chaplain, of course, in, in the military setting, you're wearing a cross, but that will open, hopefully they'll open the door, because if they open that door, then you guys can walk into that door together and speak about anything that they would like to ask you about, which is yeah. wonderful. It's really its yeah. own interesting thing, right? Because it's domestic yes. and it's international. Yes. It's civilian and it's it's government, military. Yep. In some ways, it's like our global workers mm-hmm. uh, and the way they have to work with cooperative relationships and oftentimes in different cultures and different countries. And yet at the same time, it's a lot like a pastor who does a lot of pastoral duties. And so it's a pretty wide and varied field. It's just cool to hear that we've got about 70 of them out there in yeah. the APC. And one of, one of my chaplains, uh, to kind of talk about the uniqueness a little bit about it, is that he works at Arlington National Cemetery. Okay. So, of course, his main work is dealing with burials and mm. services for right. these military members, you know, that have sacrificed. Wow. And, and, and it is a huge responsibility. And for him, there's so much work involved he really hasn't even been able to get off for like two years. Yeah. He's just constantly. And with the government, I'm sure lots of paperwork too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Lots of paperwork. Yeah, and yeah. With the government? Oh, come now. Now yes, with the government. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's tremendous. But I'm so thankful for him serving in that yeah. role, just like all of my chaplains. So. Well, as we wrap this up, Mark, I, yeah. have, I have two questions, if you could roll them into one, perhaps. Sure. Um, how the pandemic affected our chaplains and how can we be praying for them? It was challenging because chaplaincy is so one-on-one. Yeah. You know, you have that face-to-face interaction with people and they need that face-to-face interaction. And the pandemic prevented a lot of that from being able to happen because you couldn't visit people like you normally would. One of my favorite chaplains, in fact, I think she was on a podcast here, Jennifer Prechter. She's here in Orlando. She's, I think, uh, hospice or? Palliative palliative care chaplain for children. Arnold Palmer with children. With children. And I just, I can't even, I I can't even imagine it's how she does that. It's a brilliant podcast, by the way. If you want to go back and listen to one, her comments were unbelievable. Unbelievable. She was so helpful. Well, she is a gem, and but that just shows you, here's someone who's working with children that are facing end-of-life situations and families that are looking at their children facing end-of-life situations. And she's there 
in the midst of them, in the midst of their life, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their heartache, in the midst of their anger, all those things, that she is there to be a chaplain, to support them, to minister to them. And and that's like all my chaplains. I mean, they are just, our, our chaplains, Dean, are, are, are wonderful. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for them, so thankful for the ministry outside of the four walls of, chur- of the church that they are able to provide and to be able to reach areas that no one else can go to. Well, I hope, if nothing else, all of our folks listening today will will be committed to not only knowing more, sharing that information. It would be lovely if our all of our elders in our sessions were aware of um, chaplaincy and the, the, the ways in which these faithful servants dedicate themselves to some of these incredible situations, whether uh, serving in forward uh, deployed areas or in a hospital with families who are dealing with children who are you know, seriously ill. How, Mark, if people want to learn more about chaplaincy in the EPC, how would they get in touch with you? Thank you for your prayers and everything that's so, so much needed. And, and also you can become a chaplain also and serve, like you mentioned, as a side. Could be a voluntary thing or it it could could be. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of need out there, but the easiest way to do that is just to go to the EPC website. So, you know, epc.org slash chaplaincy. Okay. And you'll see my smiling face on there, and uh, it has everything laid out as far as how to become a chaplain, what's involved, what the chaplaincy is all about, and also contact information on how to get a hold of me and everything, and that is a great way to do it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate you coming in and that, appreciate the conversation as always, and I hope that uh, folks have been blessed by it as I have. Thank you. Thank right. you so much. All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up another conversation today, and we hope that you'll be encouraged by that and share it, particularly share it with your pastor, uh, share it with your elders, share it with other friends of yours to get the word out about our chaplains, these people who serve on the front line of ministry who are oftentimes not thought of or are oftentimes maybe not not so much overlooked as just not considered. And here they are. Uh, I'm a father of a U.S. Marine, so I'll say it this way. They're the point of the spear. And they're so frequently at that place where the kingdom breaks in in the midst of some very, very difficult circumstances. So please keep them and Mark in uh, your prayers as he cares for them all. Thank you. So my friends, as we uh, conclude this time, we finish with a good word from God's word, as we always do from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, whether it's a hospital or a fire department or a college campus or a military base, all things, these chaplains where they serve, all things have been created through him and for him because he is before all things and in him, that is our Lord Jesus, all things hold together for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time we gather, my friends, in the next conversation, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.